This week on Wealth Track, with the markets once again proving him right, longtime Treasury bond advocate Robert Kessler says cash and U.S. Treasuries still belong in every investor's portfolio. Word of advice from someone who has seen as much as I've seen, and I've never seen anything quite like, mm -hmm. and neither has anyone else. Right. Um, it, it would be nice for you to look at your pension holdings and anything that really gets involved in this marketplace and say, do I have enough cash? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you one thing for sure, the treasury market will eventually stabilize. There's a way to stabilize it. We have a central bank that mm -hmm. does that. An exclusive interview with Robert Kessler is on this week's Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, a Leg Mason company, Miller Value Funds, Royce and Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. The markets will fluctuate, said J.P. Morgan. We will add they can fluctuate dramatically and quickly. The longest bull market in U.S. history, which began in March of 2009, saw stocks reach new highs in February, only to plummet in March, officially ending the bull run and entering bear market territory. The longest economic recovery in U.S. history is also at risk. What seemed highly unlikely to most economists just a few weeks ago, namely a U.S. recession, is now becoming a consensus view. All it would take is two consecutive quarters of contracting growth, and it looks like the second and third quarters of 2020 could qualify. Wall Street's number one economist and wealth track guest Ed Hyman recently issued his U.S. recession forecast, citing the triple whammies of oil price collapse, coronavirus economic impacts, and China-related supply chain disruptions. Meanwhile, the bond markets are setting their own records. Yields on U.S. Treasury securities, the 10-year Treasury note and the 30-year Treasury bond, have both been reaching historic lows. When bond prices rise, yields fall. So Treasuries have once again proven to be safe havens and, in fact, excellent investments in the face of stock market declines. Now, none of this is a surprise to this week's guest, who has been warning of economic and stock market risks for years on WealthTrack, and the value of owning U.S. Treasury securities. He is Robert Kessler, founder and CEO of Kessler Investment Advisors, a manager of fixed income portfolios with a specialty in U.S. Treasuries for institutions and high net worth individuals around the globe. When Kessler was on WealthTrack a year ago, he warned there was a recession dead ahead. That was well before the COVID-19 coronavirus was on the scene. After the recent market meltdown, which rattled all asset classes, including U.S. Treasuries, I asked him for his analysis. He said it's all about debt. To understand this market uh, or any of the markets that we've been in lately right. is to understand all markets are dependent on the liquidity in the market. The liquidity means a buyer and a seller. And something goes up and something goes down. This particular market has been built upon a multi-layer of debt. And debt is interesting because it doesn't bother you at the beginning until the price goes down. 
and then the debt becomes impossible to handle. And the debt isn't just in the United States. The debt is in China. Mm -hmm. And in fact, China was slowing down substantially before our recent behavior in terms of the market. And Europe has been in kind of a funk, if not a recession, on and off for the last four or five years, too. And all of this is a function of debt that is in those areas and really no way to get out without producing even more debt. And debt on top of debt is not a solution to solve the problem. So within the last week or two, when you add a kind of a tipping point. Mm -hmm. that, which and, is the coronavirus, right? And it, yeah, and it didn't, it, it didn't have to be the coronavirus. Right. Um, one of the things that I would have looked for, and I will look for it right now, is that someplace in that house of cards, so to speak, that weakness gets shown by a bank going under, a major corporation having a problem. The, the, one of the unique things about what's happening here is coincidentally, we have an oil problem that is right. a pricing problem on oil, which a lot of countries are very dependent on, including the United States. Mm -hmm. So to make this a little bit understandable in terms of debt, which is what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. let's look at Texas. And let's not look at Texas in terms of the coronavirus, look at it in terms of the oil crisis, just as another crisis. Right. And what happens is suddenly, when oil prices go down and you have to shut down drillers, municipals, cities, towns, people who work there, suddenly you don't have as much money. Maybe you couldn't even pay for the bond that you raised so easily because the oil was right outside the door. Mm -hmm. And that now becomes something that affects a lot of people because a lot of other people have invested in your product in your municipals, in your oil. Imagine you're an owner of Occidental Petroleum, and they pay a very nice dividend, and they took over a company called Anandarko Oil, mm -hmm. something that really had a lot to do with Texas, right. that and oil patch oil in there. Development. And they uh, reduced their dividend by 90%. Now, you didn't expect it, I didn't expect it, but that was the problem with debt. That debt that they picked up when they took over that company couldn't be sustained if you lowered the price of oil. Mm -hmm. So skipping oil, now you have a virus. And that virus is affecting demand. But it's not only affecting demand, because we can deal with demand. The Federal Reserve lowers rates and, wow, that's which cheaper. Which they've been doing. Mm -hmm. Which they've been doing. And that's cheaper and we can go out and buy more because everything looks cheap. But not only did it affect demand, that virus, but it affected supply. So even if you could go out and buy something, it's not there. Right, because of the supply chain disruption that happened with the coronavirus with China, right? If you work in a factory and you're told to go home, right. we're not going to produce anything. Right. So you have this whole chain of events taking place with the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Now you have a chain of events taking place with the oil market that we're talking about. But even more interesting you suddenly find out there's more happening. There's a lot of other debt out mm -hmm. there, and somehow everything becomes interrelated. And that other debt and that other banking problem becomes a real problem. And that stress, that liquidity problem we have in the marketplace, which is liquidity. Right. We, can't, we don't have one side of what to do here. 
then you have what's going on in the past couple of weeks. And Where the markets kind of what freeze up, it gets difficult to sell things. What is going on with the treasury market, the most liquid risk-free asset in the world? But remember, we're talking about everything. So treasuries are part of everything. Well, yeah, but they, it doesn't mean they're the backstop. It doesn't mean that it isn't a perfect piece of paper. It mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it, it isn't the United States government stands behind treasuries. But it doesn't mean that there won't be volatility in it. Now, mm -hmm. volatility, which is what you're talking about, is caused again by some liquidity problem right. someplace else. Yeah. And what treasuries are used for, which is why every time for the last 20 years we've been talking, I've argued treasuries should be part of everyone's portfolio mm -hmm. as part of a hedge. Mm -hmm. There is cash there. It doesn't mean it'll be exactly where you think it is today, but right. in the end, you will always get your money and always get the interest. But sometimes, like now, you have a situation where treasuries are used as a hedge for a lot of things. And if those lot of things on the other side suddenly go bad, mm -hmm. those people are forced to sell their treasuries. And that is what's happening. And right. none of us know exactly who it is, what it is. And because of that, the New York Fed, which is part of the Federal Reserve System, came in and they bought what we call coupons, which is the different periods of time that the treasury is out. And they bought them to stabilize the market. Mm -hmm. Did they do it? No. It right. was just as almost unstable at the end of the day. But Which is shocking. It is, it is incredible, but it only tells you what we needed to know to begin with, mm -hmm. that this is no different than 2008 or 2000 or 1975. So any other financial when, crisis, right? This is a financial crisis in the truest sense. Mm -hmm. This is even clearer than the housing crisis because at least we could look at that and say, it's housing. Mm -hmm. Here, I'm actually sitting here talking about the New York Fed, mm -hmm. the Federal Reserve of the United States, the biggest, strongest bank in the world. They don't know specifically what took place today, but I will give you an example. The freeze that has been taking place in the course of today has been taking place now for weeks in the repo market. Mm -hmm. And explain, the market it, right. explain that what that is. To, to make it as simple as possible without getting into it, because it's too complicated, right. is you can borrow money against something with the agreement that you'll return that something and that person will get interest or pay interest and they'll get their money back. And the it's better, an overnight market, over, right? It's overnight or as long as you want to make okay. it. It's an agreement. But, but, but it's mostly an overnight market. Is the Generally overnight with the collateral you're using. So if you happen to have a treasury, which is perfect collateral, right. it's easier to borrow money on it. Well, that's really interesting. If it's really easy to borrow money on it, are there any rules about mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Well, there are rules for banks. Right. They have licenses. But there are no real rules for hedge funds or offshore operations that simply buy treasuries and finance them. Mm -hmm. And they finance them in any way or on any level that they want to do it. So is the repo market available to hedge funds? And, or totally, I it was... it's available to me. We, uh, to we were one of the few firms that actually made repo available to retail clients. Mm -hmm. So you could do it too, mm -hmm. as long as you had that perfect collateral, which is right, that treasury. So if you stop and think about that happening, meaning 
it began to act funny months, months ago, ago. Months ago. And what the Federal Reserve has done is they've come in and they've helped out that market. They've made mm -hmm. cash available. But big banks like J.P. Morgan and other banks suddenly weren't lending cash mm -hmm. to that market. Mm -hmm. So I'll go back to the way we started this whole conversation. Cash is very attractive. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have cash because no matter what happens, you may not get any interest, but you have it. Why wasn't J.P. Morgan right, why? putting cash into a market that was absolutely secure? Mm -hmm. I can't answer that. Uh, neither did Jamie Dimon at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we just think we should, uh, we, we don't really think we should do that. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of explanations in this market right now, and there's probably someone out there who knows specifically where these things come from or move around, but I, I suspect None of us actually know exactly mm -hmm. what it is. But, but the whole point of our discussion or an audience that may be watching this is you don't know and I don't know and they don't seem to know, that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. A word of advice from someone who has seen as much as I've seen and I've never seen anything quite like mm -hmm. and neither has anyone else. Right. Um, it, it would be nice for you to look at your pension holdings and anything that really gets involved in this marketplace and say, do I have enough cash? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you one thing for sure, the treasury market will eventually stabilize. There's a way to stabilize it. We have a central bank that mm -hmm. does that. And well, they're trying to do that. And they will, because right. we can print all the money we yeah. need to do it. And it's the United States, so that's not an issue. Well, you know what, it can be an issue because confidence is huge and psychology is used and, you know, is huge, the, you know, the advocates of the gold standard would say that fiat money involves trust. And if you stop trusting central banks and currency, then stuff, bad stuff can happen. And it, is it, it possible that that's what we're seeing? It's an interesting discussion and people who always argue against fiat money or... Right. Currencies. Paper uh, money. Paper money. Right. Um, have the same argument. That may be true mm -hmm. in, in a period of time way in the distance, but mm -hmm. right now the United States is considered the best piece of paper out there. Oh, absolutely, it is. And, and that is how we conduct now. business. Mm -hmm. Everyone deals in dollars. They may talk about using other currencies, they may do it, but it'll be the United States. Mm -hmm. The reason I say the treasury market is because no one says you have to buy that 10-year or 30-year piece of paper. You can buy a two-week piece of right, paper. Right. The point is the money is there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's crucial to understand this market right now, and I, I, I will explain why. The average period of time that financial crises last the one in 2008, the one in 2002, the one which have 1999. All of these periods of time, it takes time. Mm -hmm. It took us 11 years of stimulus, which we had never ever done before, to create the amount of debt we have, and it was only a matter of time that something would flip it over. It took time. Mm -hmm. It will take a lot of time to get out of this. Now we've got to unwind it. To unwind it, if the average period of time of each one of our major recessions, and I'm calling this a major recession because 
we're sitting here and talking about something we don't even understand yet. Right. And of course, a, a, the official definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of economic contraction. And this is just beginning. Uh, look, I would rather prefer so, saying a recession is when you lose your job mm -hmm. and then you're in a recession. Mm -hmm. I, the, the problem that we're going to face right now is that if it really does take a year and a half or two mm -hmm. years to, to somehow figure out how to get out of this mess, mm -hmm. um, it would be very helpful uh, not to be stuck in it. Mm -hmm. It would be very worthwhile. Uh, I, this is something that you probably don't hear very often. And, and, I, and I don't do it very often because you never want to be that negative about anything, but mm -hmm. it would be appropriate to sell something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's appropriate to sell stock here. Uh, it is irrelevant to me that the stock market uh, at this moment happens to be down 25% uh, or so. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a lot. Um, to have money means that you will be able to, in the future, buy more of it more stock uh, when they come down. Cheaper. Mm -hmm. Cheaper. Uh, this idea that you are in for the long term, that may apply to some people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't apply to everyone. And we all get the opinion about this long term approach, that long term covers us. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. M most people uh, in 2008, it's interesting, in 2008, if you happen to be 55, the long term might have been 30 years. It was 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's now 11 years later. Later, right. You don't have the same long term mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. That might have worked then, but it certainly doesn't work now. And I think you have to take that attitude about this market especially, because this market is by everyone's definition the riskiest market we've seen since the late 20s. And, and, I'm, not, and, I'm not saying that because I'm in the equity market, right. but, but everyone has said prior to the market coming down, yes, it's expensive, but it's okay. And since this market has moved almost totally on PE movement or mm -hmm. price, price movement mobile, right. as opposed to earnings, and we know that it's been moved by those corporations who got a tax break and took the money and bought more of their own company, which moved the price up, right. and paid themselves more dividends, which was very nice. Mm -hmm. you, you have a market that's in that house of cards we were talking about, and none of us know what it will look like. So this is what I, I don't understand. After the last financial crisis, there was a deleveraging of, consumer, of consumers, the, Consumers were saving again, and they had, you know, they were not in as much debt. Very low interest rates. So who did the borrowing? So governments did the borrowing. Corporations did the borrowing. So that's where the, the high debt levels are. But at very low interest rates. Interest rates are still very low. What is the problem? First of all, we should get rid of this mystique about low interest rates being good for stocks. Mm -hmm. Low interest rates are low because the economy is slow. And when the economy is slow, that doesn't mean companies are earning more money. In fact, mm -hmm. we've been in, in kind of an earnings recession for the last four or five years. But let me talk about the consumer is actually saving a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yes. The pity of it is the consumer is sitting with 
a trillion and a half dollars on his credit card. Student loans are over a trillion and a half dollars. Mm -hmm. Automobile loans over a trillion and a half dollars. But worse than that, that in itself is not good. But corporations in 2008 had virtually no debt. Mm -hmm. And now we have this incredible situation where corporations are sitting with over $2 trillion worth of any kind of debt that you can think of that right. they could make. And who owns a lot of that? The banks. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you always hear in every financial crisis is, oh, the banks are in good shape. No, absolutely. I don't have a clue, just like I said before, in terms of the amount of leverage in the system, in terms of the, the potential problems mm -hmm. in the system. I don't know if that's true, that the banks are really a problem. But there is a huge amount of corporate debt out there that is on the verge of becoming junk. Mm -hmm. So all these it are has the triple Bs. Triple Bs. All it has to do is be downgraded one level. Right. And so the big fear in this market, and it's behind everything that exists, are those corporate bonds. Mm -hmm. Because those corporate bonds represent so much liquidity in the system. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out, very low rates, Go out and get a bond, except for one thing. When you have to renew it, turn it over, and we have trillions coming due in the next three years. Go out there to do it, and someone says, well, no more 2%. I'm sorry, it'll be 11 for you. Right. And you're out of business. The, have the central banks lost the power to, to really make any difference? Sure. I mean, I mean we're, we're seeing no, no one paid attention to the Fed in its first 50 basis point uh, you know, rate cut, they, they would like it was the end of the Fed put because the market went down, whereas, you know, several months ago it would have gone up. And it, now it, the Fed is... By lowering rates, you're not going to create any demand if I have to stay in my house because I'm afraid to go out. Mm -hmm. right. So lowering rates isn't going to do anything for that. It just theoretically will make people a, a little bit more comfortable, but there's someone helping. At this point, you probably do need very serious fiscal help. Mm -hmm. And right now, the only purpose of me sitting here or us having a program, mm -hmm. it seems to me, is to express the fact that, yeah, you can lose money. Mm -hmm. in this, right. In, Actually, in every, anything. In anything. But, but especially cash. in an environment like this. And, right. And to make the assumption it's over. It'll be over in a quarter or two. We, right. know, from, we, know, we, know, we know from biblical days seven years of good mm -hmm. times Peace and seven years right. of bad time and all those things are the same and because they're the same you you must think of it from the viewpoint that if markets are down they can go down further mm -hmm. and i'll get back to the question of cash again raise cash it, it isn't bad to have cash mm -hmm. It feels good. You go to sleep at night and you feel better. So, but do it, you're saying do it sooner rather than later because later, whatever you want to sell is going to be worth less for a while. That's your... This will be Friday that we talk and, and, and do it on Monday. <laughs> I, I, I think... Because, we've got, because if in fact we go into a recession and I, I don't know how we can avoid one at this point, but you know, there are shallow recessions and there are steep recessions. So you're saying this is going to be... I'm saying this is going to be terrible. Really? I think terrible, it's... Terrible, as terrible as the recession was in 08 and 09, for I, instance? I think or? in many ways worse, because in 09, 08, you could go out and say, I'm going to bail the banks out. And, of course, people didn't get bailed out. You lost your house. 
but a lot right, of people no. a lot of people got money right this time it is so much larger mm -hmm. no i think there's a certain point where you have to say thank you very much i think i'll step away not with everything i'm not saying right, right. liquidate the whole world but i am saying if you don't feel comfortable there's nothing wrong with selling mm -hmm. So one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what would you have us all own some of? And I think, as we've discussed, cash would be absolutely my number one investment. And I say investment because cash is an investment. It's not a question of, is it an asset like a stock or a bond? No. It's a guaranteed piece of paper you can walk into the supermarket with and buy some bread. That's a good investment. Robert Kessler, thank you. Thank very you. Much. If there has ever been a more stark reminder of the value of having cash in recent memory, the economic and market reaction to the coronavirus is it. This week's action point is a familiar one from me and Robert Kessler. It is hold some cash. Cash is king in times of trouble. It tides you over financially during periods of economic and market stress. The Fairhome Fund's Bruce Berkowitz used to call it financial valium. It allows you to sleep at night, and for the brave at heart, it gives you buying power to pick up bargains when others are selling. Now, cash has been denigrated as trash by many professional investors during the bull market. I imagine they are recognizing its value now. Next week, The Long View, why third-generation value investor Christopher Davis believes the coronavirus will be a short-term shock, what he's focused on long-term. This week in the extra feature on our website, Robert Kessler will discuss the possible impact of the bear market on the art market. In the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for watching. Have a lovely weekend, and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable and productive one.